You're listening to Dr. Disinfo, a podcast exploring the intersection of society, technology, and security. Hi, I'm Dr. Jordan Plotnick. Thanks for coming back for a second episode. Hopefully this time it's a little bit higher quality. I'm trying a different software, so uh, let me know if, if there's any troubles. Anyway, today we're going to talk about online radicalization and social media's role in that. Um, now, if, if you're not really familiar with what this is, radicalization is when an individual adopts a violent form of fundamentalist ideology. Um, so basically, they have uh, very strong opinions about something and, and engage in black and white thinking. Um, and it can lead to polarization of social spaces and um, like a collective construction of uh, an us against them. I'm bringing this up as the second topic because you've probably noticed a lot of people suddenly becoming very vocal, suddenly having very strong opinions and demanding action or inaction from others, um, usually action rather than inaction. Um, but yeah, so there's, there's definitely been a huge rise in radicalization. And, uh, you know, why, why is this is, is the question? Well, taking, you know, there are, there are many different reasons. There are political reasons, there are economic reasons, and there are social reasons, there are psychological reasons. So there are a lot of things that go into radicalization, and especially violent, uh, radi- violent radicalization or violent extremism, which is when people are so convinced of their point of view that uh, they're willing to engage in acts such as terrorism or causing harm or damage uh, in in order to spread their beliefs or spread their ideology. But notwithstanding all that, let's have a look at the technological element, which is inflaming all of these other issues um, and compounding them to exacerbate the problem. Now, this has been a topic of research, um, of intensive research, especially since COVID-19. Depending on which city you're in, you've got different COVID measures that were enforced from the public. And ultimately, this led to everyone spending a lot more time on social media. And um, actually, a Canadian study showed that during COVID-19 pandemic, the average young Canadian time on social media went up by 44% on Instagram and 48% on Facebook, uh, which is, is, is quite a significant uh, jump from, from the year before. And it was primarily due to enforced restrictions and, and other elements that were keeping people inside. Um, and, you know, not to mention the social isolation and, and social media allows you to connect without actually physically connecting. And so it became a, a default method of communication for many around the globe and during this time we witnessed a rise in uh, in in extremism and, and a, a rise in radicalization and division in population not just on political opinions but on a lot of other aspects too um, for example the the actual covid health laws that were coming out uh, there was a lot of misinformation and disinformation surrounding those and uh, and there was a lot of anti-vaccine kind of propaganda going around and I'm sure many of you know at least one person in your immediate network that was convinced by by some mistruths that were that were being shared around that time so covid really had a had a big part to play but the a key problem with social media 
is that it is a capitalist enterprise where they need to make money and to do that they need to encourage people to increase their time on the app and they've found over time that the best way to increase engagement on an app is to serve content that people like now at its face level that doesn't seem so insidious but when you dig a level down there's uh, it becomes quite a big problem because when it comes to ideology or politics or religion and and other divisive issues especially divisive issues um, then you end up with people being served different information and and the algorithm will purposely push you into a bit of a bubble where you're distanced from differing opinions because if you see a differing opinion uh, you're less likely to engage with it you're more likely to just kind of skip over and and you know you're not going to like it or click on um, what they're trying to make you click on <laughs> so uh, generally what what happens is is the user gets served content that they're wanting to engage with which for the most part confirms their existing beliefs and as we have I believe everyone should be very well aware now that just because it's on social media doesn't mean it's true. You know, there's a lot of false information going around and then this gets served um, to people and the companies, uh, you know, it's a very difficult thing to regulate for one. But on the other side, just recently, we've seen after Elon Musk took over Twitter, which is now X, he fired his entire ethics department. And so from that, we've seen a significant rise in disinformation and misinformation spreading, including hate content and terror propaganda. So it, it's, it's a very challenging thing to do, but when you want more uh, profit or more benefit to whichever community you're trying to serve, then you know, some of these more humane considerations go out the window because it's not it's not in your interest as a social media company uh, board or, or owner to, to spend a huge amount of money trying to fight something that actually boosts the average person's expenditure on your app. <laughs> so you can see that this is a problem. But the reality is that today, 50% of Americans get their news from social media. So that means half the population um, in, you know, you can kind of take that as an average across the Western countries um, because you know with similar culture uh, that's half of the population half of the voting population are getting their information on social media which is inherently flawed because it serves you content that may not be true but it, it affirms whatever biases you already have in favor for you spending longer on the app which then in turn allows you to be exposed to more content and this is how it goes until you reach a point of radicalization where you're so convinced because you've only been seeing information that confirms what you believe and people who are confirming you uh, then you feel valid in your belief and then suddenly everyone in your day-to-day -day life uh, offline may notice changes in you and you may not want to associate with them based on their opinions um, on on various matters usually political and as i said in my last podcast one of the one of the main motivations for me creating this podcast itself was this radicalization that i've noticed since uh, the israel gaza war and what we've actually seen uh, what well, you know there's been some preliminary research and the the rise in disinformation just from that one event alone surpasses every other event in history that <laughs> that we've had social media 
So it, it's is been significant, and you've probably noticed that, um, you know, from the the protests on the street and the riots and the the violence um, that's been increasing. There's been bombings of uh, of synagogues, and there's been killings of of Muslims. It's uh, you know, it's getting out of hand and you've got people being radicalized on both sides and it's creating conflict and division. And that is uh, a terrible place to be as a Western democracy where our policies and our political ambitions are based on the public opinion, which we can tell now is 50% based on social media. And then when you look at that, um, even within social media, uh, you know, research has shown that false information spreads six times faster than the truth. And it's 70% more likely to be reshared than the truth. So it's this kind of catastrophe that we've created for ourselves here on social media. Um, and it's feeding division in our societies. And I think we're starting to witness that and this is particularly dangerous in a pre-war time where uh, we've, or, you know, there's even been some speculation that we're actually in war already. Uh, it just hasn't hit the hot stage. So there's, you know, w we're, we're definitely in a hostile environment. And at this point in time to be relying so much on something that is so easily manipulated is a very dangerous thing in a democracy. And, and this actually, it, it's an interesting point to, to consider the democratic element because when you look at autocratic regimes like China and Russia and Iran and North Korea um, and, and other kind of regimes like that, their people don't have open access to information. Um, you know, they find their little workarounds sometimes, but I in general, the, the country um, or the dictator controls the information going in. And, and not ev even if that wasn't the case, the, the population aren't voters. So controlling the information is mainly to, to keep them complicit in what's happening. Um, and at the same time, they're able to launch information operations on social media to target our democratic societies where we don't have the same reach. So just to make it very clear, the information war is what that happens online. Um, and it's targeting civilians, um, then it's got to be on social media and, uh, you know, other elements that most people interact on. So I know all of this sounds very bad. Um, and honestly, in my opinion, it, it is bad. Uh, but, you know, it's not the end of the world here. <laughs> there, there are many measures that are being investigated and being put in place to try to help counter some of this impact. Um, Canada quite famously introduced a, a law which forced news providers to pay to show their news on social media. Um, in my opinion, that does the complete opposite of what I think they were trying to achieve because now uh, yeah, I was in Canada recently and uh, I flew from Australia and I was posting about, uh, you know, onto my Dr. Disinfo Instagram about the, the current global state. And so I often post news links in and when I got, when I landed in, in Canada and I, I, you know, tried to continue doing my thing, suddenly I wasn't able to, I wasn't able to share links. Um, I was being blocked because uh, I guess those media providers didn't want to pay the, the, the fine or the fee. So in the end, what I found there was a far less informed discussion happening online 
where everyone was only being exposed to opinion and uh, and commentary from people who aren't necessarily experts and and many who definitely were not i, I would say that we're we're still trying to solve this problem and in large part that's where my research is is starting to focus now i want to try to solve this problem i want to look at uh ways that we can actually fight this because we need to have you know it, it's too late to go back on the technological developments that we've created and implemented we can't undo the internet although some countries are trying <laughs> like russia's creating their own uh, networking protocols so that they can have independent communication that others cannot interfere with so that there are some interesting things that are happening to try to reduce the openness of the internet but in general having access to knowledge online has been has been very beneficial and we need to learn to manage the downsides like we do with any other technology everything that we've introduced into the world is like a double-edged sword it has its good and it has its bad and that's been true of everything from coal to the internet so we need to learn to manage the the downsides of this new technology while allowing for the benefits that it brings to humanity but we can't lose humanity in the process so i am looking into this uh, as a matter of priority that's why i've made this my second podcast and these are just some of my thoughts but stay safe out there keep alert to false information i'll be talking more about that um, in future episodes i intend to cover things like artificial intelligence and deep fakes and how they're circulating and the impact that they have but that's that's another discussion for another episode so i'll leave you on this and thanks again for listening thank you for listening to dr disinfo I hope this episode was informative and I'll see you next time.